He doesn't plan on writing a book to chronicle all his incredible experiences over the past 50 years covering Minnesota sports. But we've convinced him to do something even better. To share his greatest stories in auditory form right here. We wanted to call this a prairie home curmudgeon, but legal next it. So we proudly present the best stories from the mind of Patrick Royce, titled Royce Rambles. Here's Judd Zulgad. It's another edition of Royce Rambles, and in true Rambles fashion, Patrick, you are going to surprise me with how we're going to start today. There's a great local hockey website, Vintage Minnesota Hockey. Do you follow it? I follow it on Twitter. Vintage Men Hockey. Yes, sir. 50 years ago today, we are taping this on Tuesday, June 6th, Mm -hmm. also famous for Mm D-Day, obviously. Mm Mm-hmm. And by the way, the Churchill movie's worth going to, the lead-up to D-Day, uh, to, to uh, drift off. I saw it the other day. Fifty years ago today, the six expansion teams had their draft selections mm-hmm. in the NHL. Now, we got Chuck Fletcher and the boys whining about having to give up one player. These guys, you know, they kept... They're main guys, but they gave up a whole lot of players. Okay. And the North Stars original group, Cesar Maniago, mm-hmm. is is your goalie. Nobody's going to give up a goalie as good as Cesar Maniago this time, are they? It came from the Bruins, is that right? New York Rangers. New York Rangers, okay. Gary Bauman, Montreal, was the backup. I, did he ever even dress here? He might have. <sighs> I don't know. Might have before they the got The name rings Gump, a bell. Before they got Gump. The name sounds familiar. Defense. Bob Wojtowicz, Jean Guy Talbot, okay. uh, Elmer Vasco, who oh, played yeah. for us, Moose, Moose. and uh, Moose loves his beer, right? Pete Gogan. Now they traded a whole bunch of guys. There were all kinds of trades going on. The forwards: Dave Ballone, mm-hmm. Ray Cullen, Wayne Connolly, mm-hmm. Goldie, Andre Pronovos, who I think they ended up trading, Murray Hall, Bill Collins, Parker McDonald. I mean, they got the older guys. They yeah. got the real young guys and the older guys, but they got some pretty good players. Philadelphia, they got Bernie Perrant. Yep. They must only let him keep one goalie. St. Louis got Glenn Hall, who well, had been the Blackhawks. Well, keep keep guy in mind, forever. in sixty in sixty five, sixty six, so, that era, you were lucky to have one goalie. Oh sure. I mean, you yeah, didn't even right. have necessarily two competent goaltenders. No. And uh, I mean, they used to dress it, one and he played. But it is funny how they let the old guys go. Yep. Uh, the Los Angeles Kings got Terry Sacha, who was the <laughs> a, Detroit Red Wings. Oh, what a life. Who was then with Toronto, but was the Detroit Red Wings uh, legend mm-hmm. of all the time. Of course, yeah, that's the whole deal about hockey. I was a kid in Fulton, Minnesota, and didn't pay much attention to it, but I knew the six goalies in the NHL. Yeah. Because <laughs> everybody played every game. But yeah. they only had, what, 60 games, maybe? Played 60 Oh, probably. Because the Blackhawks had Glenn Hall, right? Mm hmm. Jacques Plant. Sawcheck was in Detroit. Jacques mm-hmm. Plant was in Montreal. Chicago. Boston. The hell was their goalie in Boston? I was going to say Boston and Toronto. Who played goal for? Was Bauer the goaltender Johnny for Toronto? Bauer they were there for a long time. Maybe not right okay. at that area. He was yeah. there a long time. Boston. I can't remember Boston. But anyway, back then, yep. you remember all the goalie. But it's uh, funny to look at this list because they, you know, no. That is probably the most bold expansion move any league has ever made. Oh, Rather yeah. than going two two two, they said we're gonna we're gonna create a division of six. And you know what? I was reading about this and I'd forgotten. There was the main reason they did it 
was there was a, a a movement afoot to form a new league. Yes. I think they were going to, just like baseball, I think they were going to call which, it the Continental Hockey League. Which eventually happened with the WHA yes, in right. the early 70s. But, yeah, yeah and, and also I was reading some stuff a couple days ago. Baltimore and Vancouver were livid because I guess they thought that they were both going to get franchises. Yes. So they got mad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, and, and did you, you know? And, in fact, here's what it was. Yeah. The Central League, which we were in. Yes. Was considering making itself a profession, a, a major league. They okay. were, they were. That's what it was going to. They were going to form. And Minneapolis had a Bru- Min- Bruins farm. Minneapolis team. Bruins, St. Paul uh, Rangers. Okay. But the but the the Central <laughs> League was considering being. I, I guess the NHL was going to be involved and just maybe turn the Central League, and and that's kind of what they did. But mm-hmm. fifty years ago, boy, they didn't give them a hell of a lot of time to get ready for the season, did they? Because they usually started probably camp started in early October. No, maybe. and. And so, did I read this right? So, June 6th of that year was the expansion draft. Yes. I think on June 5th, they wrote their checks out, officially got their, oh, teams. their teams. But did you see what the teams cost back Six then? million, maybe? Yeah. No, it was, no, I think it was like two. Two? And okay. they each wrote, all six teams, as part of the ceremony, wrote their check to another, to an existing team, I think. Oh, is that So, right? the North Stars wrote theirs to, to I forget Black who. Blackhawks yes. or somebody. So, well, I, didn't, I didn't remember saw that part, but... Uh yeah, it was I guess two for the team, but Met Center cost six million. Yeah. But meanwhile, on June sixth, they still didn't know if the damn place was gonna be ready or not. No. Nope. You know, they were building it. They built it, they got the franchise in maybe the summer of sixty six and started started building it out there the a lot at Met Stadium and it was one of the greatest Construction successes in the history of mankind to slap that thing up in no time. And the amazing thing is, I think wasn't uh, McNulty given credit yes, for? Yes, yeah, I think so. But the amazing thing was, what a great building for the amount yes. of time it was oh, a sure. great building. Yeah, they didn't uh, they didn't worry about. Uh, we didn't have a suite until Norm decided to build <laughs> one up there in the right field corner, uh, in the right uh, in the uh, left field corner there. So sixty seven, you were you're working by then, right? Saint Cloud. Okay, I wasn't down here. So, but did you? I remember watching. Comes in, I remember not really, but I remember. You know, we used to drink at the Legion Club in St. Cloud. Yep. And uh, I remember watching the, the the playoff series with the Blues. That was, you know, we even then you waited for the playoffs to start. Mm-hmm. I remember they didn't they have to go to like Philadelphia and win to make the playoffs or something, right? Very at the possible. End, something like that. Yeah, I remember. But it was a great idea, and it was a great idea. And people can go back and laugh at the fact that they put one of the teams from the West Division into the Stanley Cup Finals, and they had no chance, mm-hmm. obviously. But it was a great idea, I think, to give what what that lasted about three years. Yes, and, and I think the Blues. I think the Blues over. went every year, right? The Blues. I think the Blues went to the finals each year, year and. And got beat soundly, and I that think Scotty was, Bowman was in charge of the Blues at the time. Yes, and that was by far our uh, much bigger rivalry for us than anything else, St. Mm-hmm. Louis, because that was the team they kept playing in the playoffs. Didn't the, I thought our boys beat them one year, like six the second. I or thought third the Blues. Year, you might got, be right. I, I thought the Blues went, but mm-hmm. they were uh, yeah, because because the, cause the I, I think Chicago the first, was good. Well. Didn't we lose to them? We would have went to the Stanley Cup Finals, but we beat yes. the Blues beat us in, yes. the, in the West Division Finals, which were only two rounds back then. Exactly. Any, anyway, but 
you look back, you got some pretty good players, including Goldie, for goodness sake. And there was so there was no reason to complain now about losing one player. One player. Where, oh, where you lost. This is terrible. What are we going to do if we lose Dumber, Dumba, or somebody like that? It's it, it's going to be interesting if if Vegas actually wants to try to win some games, or if they're just going to make a hundred trades and try to get all the draft choices they possibly can. You know, I bet they try and win games. Do you? In Vegas, five hundred million. million. That's what I love, though. Five hundred million dollars, unbelievable for an NHL team. It is so short-sighted, because you're taking the five hundred now. Yep. And you could have taken three fifty and three fifty from Seattle, or you know, right? You know, but nobody, nobody in Quebec or Seattle is going to give you five hundred. Yeah. So who's next? That's like, what I'm saying. Right, there right, is right. No but I'm just next. saying. So if there you is go, no next. You're going to take. Well, they're. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, I guess you could move teams because you can certainly start doing that. You could move the Panthers out of yeah, Florida, Carolina, but they could have moved a team to Vegas, but then they wouldn't have gotten five hundred million. Exactly. So anyway, exactly. But I think it's uh, it's gonna be great though. I mean, it's not with the NFL coming in; it's gonna kind of steal some of the thunder. Sure. But you're still gonna have first time in the wild play out there if it's on a weekend. You're gonna have four thousand people from Minnesota go. Oh yeah! Going oh, the junkets 5, will be the junkets yeah. to to teams to play. Our friends at Sun Country couldn't be happier. Oh, I'm no. sure there'll be hockey special flights out there, won't there? Oh yeah, that's that's going to be a big thing. But you're right. Eventually, the football thing's going to be crazy. Mm-hmm. The football thing's going to be completely off the oh, charts. It's going to be the greatest. I, mean, I had Rado on yesterday. I was telling him that I said Ray, it's a cinch that Oakland leaves. Wins the Super Bowl and then leaves. He said, no. The cinch is they leave and then they win the Super Bowl like the Colorado Avalanche <laughs> won the Cup with Quebec. You mm-hmm. know, as soon as they left, mm-hmm. they won it. And he's probably right. He said, this is, you got to, you did, this is how things work. You mm-hmm. know, when you get his, his word, screwed, you get, I heard him, yeah. you get he's fully very screwed. Ray, Ray is great because he comes as close to the line of having to use the dump button as anyone I've heard. Yes. Ratto is fantastic on that. Funniest guy ever. Oh, he's good. But, uh, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it is uh, it's 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 fun to look back at this thing. And looking back, uh, what was I doing? I was doing something on, I guess '66 uh, when they got the team. I was trying to and. When you go back, all kinds of machinations were happening that you didn't realize, you know, that uh, like the, the NHL is going to give us a team so then we don't have to join this other league. Sure. Just like the, just like baseball. We were, mm-hmm. we were going to the Continental League. We, mm-hmm. we like Whitney, was one of the guys who was forming the Continental Baseball League, which was going to, Branch Rickey was going to be the commissioner and they were going to have eight teams and that's what baseball. And that had. did not happen. No, that uh, never base, got off the ground because the Mets also got a team at that point, right? Yes, they were going to go. The, the big motivation for the Continental League was when New York lost National League Baseball mm-hmm. when the '58, when the Dodgers and Giants both left, and then the, you know, Bob. Uh, uh, I think the mayor, Bob Wagner, the mayor of New York, was big on the Continental League too, and they were going to get a National League team to come in in New York, and they. That's when they started talking about expansion. But, you know, people don't realize that uh, basically our twinks Mm -hmm. are the uh, founder. You know, we're on the cutting edge of expansion in all sports and the Vikings. 
Yeah. You know, the Vikings were. AFL, right? Yeah, the Vikings. The only reason the NFL expanded from 12 teams was because the AFL started. And they put that team in Dallas, and the NFL didn't want to lose Dallas, so they put a team in Dallas. And and that's also the reason the Cowboys played in 60, and we didn't play till 60. You know, they had to get in there. They they weren't going to let the AFL team get a foothold. Mm -hmm. I think they were the Texans. They were Kansas City Chiefs now. Yeah, and the Cowboys. So they put the Cowboys in there in 60 because – and then the Vikings had to wait a year and get in in 61. So they announced this market in 60? Yeah. And but said you gotta wait a year. Yeah, they earlier than the uh twins. They announced it in uh hmm. in uh January or February of nineteen sixty. Mm-hmm. Because the big the AFL formula the meeting to formally uh create the AFL took place at the Picknicklet Hotel in downtown Minneapolis and to announce the eight teams and we bailed on them while they were here. We bailed on them. You go back sometime if you want to go back and look at the stuff Charlie Johnson wrote. Yeah, in nineteen in that December of fifty nine when the AFL meeting organizational meeting final organizational meeting was here. Mm-hmm. Basically, saying we don't want a minor league. You know, it was some of it was on by, on byline, but it was Charlie writing them, and it was editorial saying. Get out of our town. We're going to get an NFL team. Really? Yeah. And so had he, but he had been involved in the well, AFL pursuit? Not really. He was never on board with it. Okay. He always thought they could get, well, 58 and 9, they were trying to get the Chicago Cardinals. Mm-hmm. And didn't they play Parade? An exhibition game at Parade yeah, they Stadium? Played an exhibition. No, they played or at the two Met? games at Met Stadium, two regular season games at Met Stadium in either 58 or 59. And they sold fifty. They were very proud because they sold fifteen thousand season tickets for each of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, tickets for each of them. And they thought they were going to get the Cardinals, but the the, uh, the Bidwell woman was a widow. Her husband, the, the old man Bidwell, the father of the, the Bidwells, had died, and she had control of the team. And she married this guy who was from St. Louis, mm-hmm. and he was. Calling the shots, and he decided to put him in St. Louis instead of here. So interesting. So yeah, it's it's uh, people don't realize that the late fifties were very. And Sidney, of course, lived it big. And if you ask Sidney, handled everything and got us all our teams. But uh, <laughs> but from about from the time the Braves went to Milwaukee, yep, and became this smash success. We always considered ourselves a rival of Milwaukee, a rival of the Badgers, a rival of Milwaukee, and and it became, hey, and then Kansas City got a team. That was another team out of the old American Association, right, baseball? Yep. That's when it all, the crazed, we got to get a team, we got to build Mitt Stadium, we got to build. Oh, it's it's fascinating to go back and look, folks, because both St. Paul and Minneapolis built stadiums that they could make major league ready. They did not, you know, the original Midway Stadium, there was a St. Paul group and a Minneapolis group yeah. fighting for control of the to get the baseball team. And so what what was that? So the Met was built as a minor league facility but with as a rector said. It and was be the old Midway the same? The original? The old Midway could have been Could that have been expanded, expanded too? too? Yes. So yes. you have two factions 
Yes, which should be working other. together, fighting tooth fighting and nail. Fighting each other because St. Paul was not going to let. I mean, it was. You know, when Sid still refers to St. Paul as East Germany, yes, that was the attitude sixty years ago. You know, it's it's uh, it's it's a the fifties are probably the most interesting period of in the in the history of because it made us major league. All we had was the Lakers, you right? Know, and nobody they were winning championships and nobody cared. But what's so but what's so intriguing about that time to me too is the politics and how they used to work. Like you had your newspaper people. Yeah. Very involved. Oh, like hell now yes. would be now you'd be Charlie Johnson. Fired. Charlie Johnson was advertised as the head of the Minnesota uh, the Minneapolis Major League Task Force. Said Charlie was the head of it, but Charlie could get a little ornery when he drank, and he liked to drink. And there's some legendary Charlie getting drunk at league meetings and insulting everybody, and then. John Collins and the boys from downtown, senior John Collins, senior. Sure. Well, and the boys from downtown having to schmooze up hurt feelings. So that's where Sid learned it, huh? Yeah, from Charlie? Well, yeah, well, but Sid, when in was, doubt, just started Sid sees himself as the peacemaker, but uh, <laughs> Charlie would uh, get a little hammered. and Oh, yeah, it was. It's, it, it, it could not be more different that era than it was, than it is today. And that's also back when all of the guys had side jobs too, right? Yeah. Was Sid ran? Sid helped run the Lakers or whatever Sid he ran did. A, Sid Dick helped run boxing. But it, you know, it's funny the the one bow to ethics was Sid didn't write about the Lakers. You never saw anything in Sid's column about the Lakers. He was running the Lakers. He was. It was never advertised that he was running the Lakers. He mm-hmm. Max Ware, mm-hmm. but he never wrote about. It. But the the editor wouldn't let him write about the Lakers, so he would, you know, cover the hell out of the Gophers, basically. Sure. You know, and uh, and uh, other major league. Now, he would write about the attempt to get Major League Baseball, attempt to get the NFL, but he wouldn't write about the Lakers, even when they were winning championships. They didn't let him write about it. So the there would just be nothing that for him That was your on one, it. the one bout of ethics in the whole damn place. <laughs> I told you when I got the job as the sports editor, Suddenly, because in 1970, because somebody sent out a, did you see that on Twitter a week ago? Or something? Yes. Somebody sent me the announcement out of a little yes. paper. I was 25 years old with a drinking problem. And they, <laughs> and I was, you know, they told me in September they were going to train me for three years to be the sports editor. And the Murph died a month later of a heart attack and they gave me the job, which wasn't good for either of us, <laughs> either the paper or me. But that, the morning sports editor, which basically was the guy who ran the day to but Arnold Gaithel was the executive sports. Sure. So anyway, uh, when uh, Murph died, the first week I was there, I opened up, I had this kind of a cheeky handwriting on an envelope. I opened it up, it was a $25 check from the wrestling promoter. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie Williams. It was a $25. So Murph, Murph got his, that was part I of don't the... know if it was a monthly. I must have been a monthly back then, I would think. Stipend that would come in yeah, for your would, for your cooperation with them. Yeah, the... make sure that we uh, we uh, had a little uh, notice that the matches were happening tonight, and then uh, and then the results the next day. So what did you do then? I mean, what was that job? Well, it was making sure that we covered Pioneer Press writers wrote for the afternoon paper. Too. Okay, so we didn't have you know we our high school guys would have to write a second story. 
our everybody, the beat guys. Now the twins and the Viking guy would Ralph Reeve was it. He would write for the afternoon. He would write the cover of the Vikings for the morning and the afternoon. Mm-hmm. He'd get a column once in a while, but back. I'm trying to think of the first working columnist we had. Because you had Riley. I mean, he was just all non humorous nonsense, right. but he didn't help. It wasn't like a column going out. A column. There were no columnists to go out and write a feature story on a Viking to okay. help with it. See, I might have been the first one, actually, in 79. Because uh, before that, Arnold wrote for the afternoon paper. And, uh, but, and uh, Riley wrote for the morning paper. And Riley no, was, was like, no, like you was, said, his notes and humor. Arnold would write about his golfing buddies and stuff okay. like that. And Riley was all, so so Ralphie basically would be the only guy that traveled. Mm-hmm. Didn't travel a column. There was no columnist to travel. Once in a while, Riley would go to a Green Bay game just to agitate the Packer. They'd do that just to agitate the Packer. But, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, so what I would do is make sure that we covered what we had to cover on the on the local beats and that they made sure to leave their afternoon story. But we didn't. The St. Paul paper, when they started, the North Star started, didn't travel and go on the road. Okay. Except for the playoffs. They covered the home games. Sure. That was, a, I mean, getting a major league team back then with those low budgets as they were, it was not uh, not going to happen. Redmond might go to, Glenn Redmond covered them and might go to a game in Chicago or something. But, and then they'd go to the playoffs. Right, but they didn't cover full-time yeah, on the road. Yeah, they didn't cover on the road. So. Yeah, it was a completely different. We cover uh, Major League Sports, at least in Minneapolis, better than we ever had, with more bodies than we ever had. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's, anyway, I had to make sure that. But hell, I worked the desk and you know, and still was writing prep stuff. Oh, you did still write? Had, okay. You know, I was working my ass off. I was still covering the preps. Yep. I was making out the schedule, <laughs> working the slot, the makeup guy, and I had to figure out how to find four hours a day to drink. <laughs> It was, it was hard work, man. No offense, but I, I can't see you as a schedule guy. <laughs> well, uh, we had, uh, I always tell the story about the great Gary Olson, who was a great guy. He had 12 sick days a year back then, and Ole would use them all. Sure. I used to tell Ole, you know, and he'd call up, when he'd call up to call in sick, like on the day before or the morning. He'd do the whole act, you know. And I'd say, Gary. Tell me ahead of time so I can make other arrangements when you're going to take That's your a good 12, boss. Yeah, when you're going to make you take your 12 days off. I'm not going to make you go to the doctor. Just tell me ahead of time. You're not too demanding. No. Just tell me what days you're going to cherry pick as your sick <laughs> yeah, days. And I'll tell, give me, you. tell me when you're going to be sick. He's the guy that I once told him. 88, 90, 98 or 99. He was, uh, you know, only I was talking about his sick days. I have not had a sick day in 22 years. But that's because you're a bleeping, bleeping <laughs> idiot. <laughs> and he's probably right. But anyway, yeah, it was uh, it was a different situation then. But the, the 50s of uh, Minnesota sports and the search for big league sports and the leagues that we almost ended up in and things like that is uh, fascinating, yeah. including the North Star stuff. Yep. So, uh, so a couple of things this week on baseball. Yes, sir. Uh, we had the brawl, right? Yes, we did. We had the brawl, a hell of a brawl, and I was trying to find 
the best brawl we ever had out of Met Stadium, in my opinion. Okay. And I actually had written something about it uh, four years ago, I found out. Uh, it was uh, baseball. Now, I wrote this. I said, baseball brawls are in the news this week after San Diego's plate crowding. Carlos Quentin was hit by a pitch and charged the mound. The result was a broken collarbone for Zach Grinke, the Dodgers' high-priced pitcher. Mm -hmm. Kept him out of action for two months. Uh, It's going to keep him out of action for two months. The wildest brawl I ever saw, July 16, 1974. Uh, Twins, Brewers, Tuesday night, Met Stadium. And uh, the Brewers were leading 5-2 in the seventh. Roy, Ray, Ray Corbin relieved Dave Goltz to start the inning. He struck out Robin Rount and Don Money. That brought up outfielder Bobby Coluccio, okay. who was kind of a young guy. He was pretty good. He was 3-for-3 three three with two runs scored in RBI, and Corbin hit him right in the batting helmet near the first pitch, right near the near his left temple. It was clearly intentional. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure he meant to hit him in the head. But Coluccio fell right in the batter's box. Picked himself up and made two strides toward the mound and then collapsed in front of the plate. Uh, Corbin said, it looked like he froze. I was just trying to brush him back, and he had been hitting us pretty good. Anyway, uh, that was the damnedest thing you ever saw. Uh, Coluccio was still on the ground when players of both teams started to congregate. John Briggs, big man. Yes. George Scott, bigger man. They were the angriest of the Brewers. Uh... And uh, anyway, all hell broke loose. Frank Willisey and uh, Brewers pitcher Clyde Wright arrived on the scene, and uh, they ended up getting into it, the manager and, yep. uh, and Clyde Wright. But what I remember is Bobby Darwin was the Twins out center fielder then, or playing center, usually center. Hmm? Big, strong, big, strong man, and all hell broke loose. And they ended up chasing each other around, and Bobby – Darwin ended up chasing Ken Berry, yep. who was a center fielder for the Brewers. And a good-sized guy, but Darwin was going to kill him. And I, I think Berry might have sucker-punched him in the pile or something. Okay. But he chased him, and he chased him down to the dugout, through the dugout, back up the field. Oh, you're kidding. He was chasing him all over the place. Oh, so they went down. Yeah. And meanwhile, Bob Colucci's still laying out in front of the plate, and a couple of trainers are looking at him, and there's fights all around him. That one, uh, that was the f- most serious baseball so fight did, I ever saw. Did Colucci, because sure. that's the era long before you had the he ear flap. flap. He oh, he did have a flap. Have a flap. Yeah, okay. Because I was going to say, if that hits you in the temple. It says, in, it says in the piece I wrote, which I must have gotten out of the game story. Sure. Then, because I, you know, but baseball reference is what allowed me to find that, you know. The greatest, <laughs> as you, you said, look, one of the great inventions. Yeah, so you go look it up. And anyway, uh, that was, uh, you know, now this brawl we had the other day was pretty dang good by current baseball standards, that's mm-hmm. for sure. And uh, I, I don't know what the solution is, though. You? For, bra- bra- for mean, the brawls? There's no reason Harper should sit there and let the guy hit him and not do anything about it. No, I and just I don't know what you do beyond charge the plate. I charge them up. I think you should allow. I I think if you have a hitter charge the pitcher, I think what we need to stop is the uh, the automatic dugouts and bullpens yes. emptying. Yeah, which hockey did. Yeah, I mean if two guys are going to fight, but then it becomes much easier for them to either punch each other out and get tired. The trouble, the trouble or they're never going to punch. The it. trouble with it though is if you got Hunter Strickland hitting J.B. Shuck. 
I guess maybe JB's not going to charge the mound because he's outweighed by 80 right. pounds. Right. right. But, but I'm just saying it's it's the the one thing that amazes me is that we still accept the fact that the dugouts and bullpens empty. In fact, not only accept it, but they have to do it. Yeah. If you don't do it, you're a coward. And those guys in the bullpen have no interest. Oh, hell no. They They're jog Fatty's in. jogging <laughs> in. They have no interest in that. Yes, that's true. But, uh, of course, everybody says it's if the pitchers had to bat yep. in our league, it wouldn't happen. Well, it Happened in the well, National League. Happened. It happened yeah, that's, still now, that, that's not going to stop you know, it. With all the relievers that are used now, yeah, they're not going to have to face like, the consequences. You know, it's not like you know, and A, and B. Even back then, mm-hmm. nobody threw. Bob Gibson could kill people, and nobody threw at him because mm-hmm. they were. Then they knew next time they he was going to yeah. hit him in the throat. Yes. You know? Yeah, so, that's not the that's no, not the thing. I don't know what the solution is, but the well, I would just the stop solution is to other... get rid of the idiotic idea that. He hit three long home. He had two long home runs off me three years ago, so now I get to hit him. Yes, I think Hunter Strickland should have gotten twenty days. Well, that would have made yeah. Well, he's an idiot too. Yeah, well, apparently, and that's not that doesn't seem like the norm. You know, and Posey ends up getting more abuse about this. You got to defend your teammate. No, not if he's a moron. No, no, there's no no. I disagree with that. But by the way, that one isn't over. Dusty. Oh, you his, think he's gonna? Dusty I heard. His, yeah, I heard you say. Dusty that. with his toothpicks sitting there like Miss Dusty. They're gonna get somebody back in Washington a hot summer day when it's nobody suspecting anything, and all mm-hmm. of a sudden, boom! He's gonna Posey, be right in someone's Posey's helmet. He's gonna take it right in his ribs or something. I don't know if they hit him in the helmet, but they'll hit him hard. So we are. Uh, we are this month, June twenty sixth, if I'm not mistaken. Will yes, be the forty-year anniversary. Yeah, and I see Rodney's going to make it to town. They said today, July third, July fourth yes. weekend. Yes. So, tell me about that day because that day that is Rod Crew Jersey Day at the Met. Yes. That is the day that our buddy Stu Thornley climbed the foul pole. Yes, he did. As, that, as Stu once said, in one in a PC road. Yep. A drunken fan uh, climbed the uh, foul pole, and Stu was able to. Support his theory that the guy was drunk because it was him. <laughs> it was him. <laughs> Without mentioning. He was tailgating before the game. Yes. But, uh, well, one thing that you should remember is one of the nicest days. is like today. You know, we're, as again, we're uh, taping this on Tuesday, June 6th. And it was like today. It was just a gorgeous day. So, I think they held it up 15 minutes or something like that as of trying to get people in. Yeah. And uh, as I recall, going back and looking at stuff, it was one of those, you know, they didn't have enough ticket guys. Calvin all said, of a sudden, twelve thousand people decided to go to the game, or fifteen thousand, mm-hmm. or something. And they didn't. So I remember they held it up, and I think I read something. Somebody with the other manager was complaining because his pitcher was warmed up or half warmed up when they delayed the game. But it was. Uh, I had Vec on yesterday talking about that season. 70, you know, that's, well, it was the next season, 77. It was a crazy year. But, yeah, I mean, no, it was that season, 77. It was the greatest White Sox. You know, we think we have rivalry with the White Sox. But the only year it was a great rivalry was 77 because everybody was going to be, you know, they had mild free agency in 76. But then the next year, everyone was going to be a free agent. So the White Sox went out and got Richie Zisk and Oscar Gamble in these clubs and gave up stuff for them because the other clubs knew they were going to sign them, right? Mm-hmm. So they went out and got Zisk and Gamble for one for a rental. 
for mm-hmm. one year rental, and that they were the Southside Hitmen. And then the Twins had Brew, Heisel, and Bostock, and you know they had them themselves, but they knew they were going to lose Heisel and Bostock. Uh, sure. Calvin wanted to keep Bostock, but but the games were all crazy, and that one was the craziest of all. Nineteen to twelve. Mm-hmm. 19 to 12 that day. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, Rodney, uh, the crowd was all there. Rodney was the hero of the moment. And, uh, you know, 40, biggest regular season crowd Twins ever had at Met Stadium. And what 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 do we got? Five, six standing ovations for Rodney. I think they counted them up. First time and there's the a fam- box. There's a famous shot there. of him way where the twins will grand behind him, you can say he says, right right. crew is now hitting, yeah. 406. And he's waving to the crowd or he's acknowledging yeah, the crowd. Yeah. And, of course, the, the famous one is Glenn Adams knocks in eight runs for a club record and, and was an afterthought. There's some great Glenn Adams quotes from the old stuff, too, about him. You know, <laughs> knocking, you know knocking in eight and nobody paying any attention. <laughs> yeah, 19 to 12. 19 to 12. And... Didn't we look it up? It was like three twenty or something. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it no, be, it took no it time would at be all. Seven hours and yes. fourteen minutes today. It was something like three twenty. Yeah, yes, three twenty something like that. But it was a gorgeous day. Everybody was, you know, it was kind of the twins had been off the radar for quite a few years, and now it was kind of the young, you know, the college age, a little older, the the twenty eight year old guys who had been going to kicks games, or you know, right. Uh, the party decided to show up for that that game in '77, and uh, and uh, it was that that team kind of got the Twins back on the radar. Of course, they quickly went back in the tank in the early '80s, right? '80, '81, they were so horrible. That, uh, but yeah, it was a it was a fantastic game. I uh, I I made our I made the Star Tribune aware that hey, this is coming up. But I ain't writing it because I have I have gone to that well fifteen times. Have you? You know I've gone. Have to you that drawn well. your line in the sand? I've gone, I've gone to the well on that one too often. I did a I did a big long thirty anniversary piece with uh, Rodney on that thing. And, uh, but it's uh, it's great and uh, yeah, it was one of the most memorable days in Twins regular season history. That's for sure. Probably you know one of the five most memorable days of the franchise. How incredible was Cruz's year that year, though, too? I mean, because you look at the stats from that year. And you know what was really and... incredible? Rodney had always uh, missed, well, 15, 17, 18 games. Rodney could get aches and pains. And Mock, Mock was fantastic at schmoozing him up. And uh, I think he played 155 games that year. Okay. He did. You know, he wow. Mock gave him a day off. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was incredible. And it was kind of like Maurer's 2009. There was actually a little power involved. He had 14 home runs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they built that little porch out in left field. That was probably before your time. Yeah, that was the left crew. field there. They built it built like it wasn't built for him. It was built for the right hand hitters. But Rodney ended up hitting a few of his Over home there. runs. I think they put like might have been two rows, just a little thing that they built in front of the left field stands because. Uh, they decided that it was uh, too hard to hit a home run to left field. So was that there in 77, the porch, or, or had they taken it away yeah, by I think then. that's where Rodney hit a bunch of his home runs. Okay. Hit four or five of his home runs. Kind of like Joe, when he hit 28 and 14 of them landed in the same seat yeah. <laughs> in left center oh, yeah, field. Yeah, the dome. Yeah. At the dome. So, yeah, he had the uh, 
Similar swing, except I would say Rodney hit the ball harder than Joe has in recent years. Sure. I mean, you know, he would sting the ball. And Rodney could have hit home runs if he wanted to, but he, he was no different than Joe. He didn't come out of his deal. The, the, the strange thing about him, though, was he would invent uh, batting stances. You know, he would have different batting stances for lefties he didn't like. You know, sure. Rudy May hated Rudy May. Rudy May, lefty, got him out more than anybody. He hated Rudy May. But he'd open up a little more and and plunk it to left field. Because I just remember the one as a kid with the bat yeah. twirling. Or in and a... they have a great statue of it, but he would... Not so much where he held the bat, but where he, uh, where what his feet did. Okay, he, he, he would change that. But he was uh, best punter I ever saw. Mm-hmm. Magical, magical. And you know what he's taught? You know what he's, you know what he's taught me about bunting? You can't teach it. That's what he's taught me. Sure. You know he's they've had him work with every, you know they haven't worked with every fast guy they've had since he went back to work with them and. None of them can bunt like him, you know. Yeah. He was left-handed and just, just he could deaden that thing out there about 35 feet, and there's nothing he could do about it. He had that, and he had uh, steals a home in, yeah. was that 69? 69 with Billy Which Martin. has to be up. Yeah. The, the, they finally, the things. you know, if they hadn't started becoming aware of him, yep, he would have stole 15. Because all of them were, I think there was only one after, like, June fifteenth or something. It was all. It was happening early in the year. I'd have okay. to look it up, but it was, you know, later in the year they were checking him. They were pitching. They weren't winding up. You know, when he was at third, they were, you know, they were pitching out of the stretch because he, you know, they were afraid he was going to steal home. What's the story about when Calvin had the when they moved Crew to first base seventy six right? That they had a night for. We've moved Rodger a, a game. <laughs> they might have. I can't remember. They would try Why anything. You told me about so, a promotion where Rod Crew is playing first base. Uh, so come out and watch it. Yeah, I think I found that that they were. That was. I don't think it was a promotion, but it might have been an ad. Rod's going to first base. It might have. Yeah. You think about that stuff. Yeah. Can you imagine oh. trying to sell that now. Joe's going to first base, so come on out and buy this, some beer. This was before my time, but it's one of my favorite anecdotes ever. Mm-hmm. Sixty-seven, Rodney's. Out of Class A ball. He played in Class A ball the year before. Calvin announces at the end of March that he's their second baseman. Because they didn't have one. Bernie Allen got hurt and blew out his knee. And they, they he would have been good, the former Purdue quarterback who beat the Gophers in the Rose Bowl year. <laughs> but the yeah. first Rose Bowl year. But he he ruined his knee. He got taken out at second. He played some after that. But he was, he was really good. And... Uh, so they didn't have a second baseman for like five years, and then Willisy, uh, God love him, and, uh, you know, was, sure. was a marginal player. And Rodney and Calvin announces in uh, in the end of spring training that Rod Carew is going to be the second baseman, out of Class A, mm-hmm. unheard of, really. And uh, Sam Milley, the manager, called in the writers and said, "I want you guys to know this isn't my decision." Really? <laughs> yeah, I want you to know this isn't my decision. Wow. This is Calvin telling me this from upstairs. And, of course, uh, Sam didn't make it through the year. Either. He got <laughs> fired in the middle of the great race. This is also the 50th anniversary of the great race. You know. The, yeah. yeah uh, Which ended in when they went to Boston. 67 ended in Boston. But there were four or five. There were five teams in it most of the summer. Four teams in it in going into last week. Yeah. It's, it's the great race. Fifty years though, fifty years ago, 
North Stars come huh? to town. Uh, Gophers win their last Big Ten title. Uh, you know, uh, it's a great race. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we had the ABA. That didn't work too long. <laughs> but it's an amazing year 50 years ago. 67 is a, is a wild year when you consider it. That summer, too, which was, a, which was one of the great summers of all time. Yeah, right, right, yeah. Summer of 67. Seven, yeah. So you had a 50, so that's 50 years ago. 40, 40 years, years ago is, Rodney. is the Rodney. Yeah. 30 is the, 30 World, the Series. World Series. Yeah. They, if you, so what we, do we got we going love, on now? We love, ran, we love round numbers in, in sports writing. We got all the round numbers you could possibly uh, yeah. want this year, don't you? That's a heck of a feature for Man, the Star Tribune if they want to do is, a... It is. It's, uh, it's fantastic. Hey, one other thing. Yeah. Again, baseball reference. I wrote a little blog on this, and I mentioned it yesterday on the air. But baseball reference is, you know, that it only started in 2000? I had no idea. And it really didn't become a full-service resource until, what, maybe eight, ten years ago? Yeah, it definitely was not when I worked on the desk at the Star Tribune. uh, Pearsall guys, Jimmy Pearsall. Yep. And I'm watching TV. When the twins first get here, yep, and I don't know when, but it's early '60s when there was only 20 games a year on, including four home games. Yep, and but I'm watching this game from Met Stadium on a summer night, and Pearsall is playing for the Washington Senators, uh, and the first pitch he sees mm-hmm. is a fastball down the pipe. From the pitcher who turned out to be Jack Crilly when I looked it up. And it's called a strike, and he drops his bat and starts screaming at the umpire and gets ejected and, you know, goes nuts. He sure. has a, a return of his nervous breakdown. Yep. So I'm saying, but the trouble with these is now with baseball reference, you got to check. Yeah. Because <laughs> you can't just, you can't trust your memory because my memory was it was leading off the game. But it could have been a fourth inning. Sure. You know, you know, you, you always and I've, I've with baseball reverence, I've found many memories of mine which are not accurate you mm-hmm. know, that that you think you remember. Mm-hmm. But this is sixty two. I'm not. A, I'm a high school kid. I'm not. But we found it uh, August twenty one, nineteen sixty two. Uh, Jack Krelick was a pitcher. Al Salerno was the plate umpire, and I could see the pitch. It was like down the pipe, and he drops the bat and goes crazy. And then uh, John Wareham from the Star Tribune finds me some clips from it mm-hmm. around the nation. And there's a picture of, there's all these AP photos of him going after Salerno then trying to climb the dugout dugout railing to go after him and yep. then being held down like by the manager, like three or four of his guys. But uh, August 21, 1962, and you know how long it took me to find it? Like four minutes on baseball, on baseball reference. reference. Because you go to Pearsall, yep. you see when he played for the Senators, you look at his game log to see when he played at Met Stadium, and he played there in 62-3, and three. but then you see a game in August where he started and had no at-bats. So That'd say, be it. That's it. it yep. took, you know how long it would have taken 20 years ago to find this? About four days. No, no, you wouldn't have to worry <laughs> about it. You could have just made it yes, up. and right. been say- Yeah. You, that's right. You could you have said, just said yeah, this, right. this is what happened. Who's going to call me a liar? Yeah. That's right. You would have been justified. Baseball, to just 
Go but, with your memory. Uh, it is the I, – I don't think any other sport has a website like that. And it's all volunteers? Is that what it is? Yeah, it is. It's, it's amazing. It. It's amazing. I think I'm going to leave $1,000 to baseball reference in my will. <laughs> <laughs> it is the uh, greatest invention of all time, that's for sure. It's, uh, it's amazing how good it is. But to find that – I told you – I think I told you that uh, when – I was doing a piece on Brant Elliott, the uh, Twins, yeah. Twins, the goofy guy that drove in eight runs the first game he ever played for the Twins, or seven, seven runs the first game he ever played for the Twins yep. in Chicago in 1970. I don't know why, but I, they, I think they were they were having some kind of a reunion and he was coming back. But he was playing left field when Earl Wilson, a pitcher for the Tigers, uh, struck out on a pitch in the dirt. Twins left the field, and he catcher just rolled it out to the mound, and Wilson, they, the Tigers told Wilson to run, and he ran to first, and then he ran to second, and then he ran to third, mm-hmm. and uh, and then he ran around. Then Mayo Smith was the manager of Detroit, and he said, score, score, and he tries to score, and he pulls a hammy like 10 feet around third, and Allier, who's loafing in from left field, as he always does, goes over and picks up the ball and tags him out. So so I had to look this up to make sure I, I found it. But in olden times, I would have said catcher Earl Batty tossed the ball out. Right. But it was uh, Paul Ratliff. <laughs> you know, I looked it up. So you can look it up now. Baseball, uh, baseball reference, but it is amazing. That one took a little longer to find, but I you know, found it in a few days. And... 20 minutes, maybe. That's still, pretty, minutes. that's still pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's... Yeah, these people that are inputting all this stuff are saints. Uh, so anyway, yeah, we didn't worry much about uh, exit velocity and, uh, <laughs> and uh, what, what launch angle. Launch angle, exit velocity, and... Uh, we always... I wonder what Harmon's launching. You think it was satisfactory? I think just it was think okay. Of, just think if they'd worked a little harder on... Uh, I'm going to guess... Harmon's... Henry Aaron, Willie Mays... Launch angle. Harmon... Harman, a good launch angle. You know what Harmon had? A little bit of an uppercut swing. Yeah. I think that's launching. Yes, Isn't I think it? you're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a right. sufficient launch angle. a little bit of an uppercut swing, and that's why he hit him upstairs. At All right. We are uh, done. We'll be back and do one of these again, I'm sure, soon, Patrick. All right, Judd. Thank you. Yep.